0: Um, I've listened, actually, you know, before I go on, um, I've listened forward a little, or a fair bit actually, and um, I think the episode falls apart uh, quite a lot from this point forward. So I'd stop listening here. I I can't quite bring myself to delete it all. uh, But, you know, the bit that's coming up, you know, I think I've I've already said I recorded earlier than the bit that went before this, um, and and the bit before that went before this is stronger you know, because you know normally you speak a few words and then you think about it and then you you speak it better. So I think I did that in the first half of this episode, which has already you've already heard that. You know. So I think the episode does fall apart a little, you know, and, and slowly sort of. Disappears Into nothingness uh, By the end of it There's no strong finish uh, So I would stop listening At this point now and I'm, and I'm hoping This little intermission That I'm speaking here Is boring you Well enough f- To encourage you to do that You know um, I'm not trying to be exciting And I'm achieving that uh, and, and And I really don't like the way that I use the word energy so loosely as I do in the in the uh recordings that are coming up you know I use the word energy too loosely I think you know, um, uh you know look i can I can understand that a photon of light has energy um that's all right you yeah. know um uh, I've kind of used the word energy state uh, to refer to the state that an electron is in, for example, and that a proton is in, and the ne- a neutron is in. You know, because um, I imagine myself, I imagined myself being inside an electron and wondering what it feels like down there. and looks like. And I imagined it to be bizarre and buzzy and all that sort of thing, and energetic or whatever, you know. So I just imagined it to be an energy state down there, you know. But um, yeah, I really do think the phrase quantum state is a better way to put it, you know, or freaky state. Uh, but look, I, I, I won't delete the bit coming up, even though I've deliberately bored you sensely. Senseless enough to turn this episode off at this point in time. Uh, I'll leave it here, and uh, just so that you know, because I recorded it, so I might as well not delete it. You know, call it a practice run, you know, for what you've already heard. You, you know, you'll stop screaming at the car in front of you. For cutting you off, if you can just tap into the energy of that car, you know, and feel that you are one with that other driver, you're all just a, a, a blended energy state, you know, there are people like that, but that's for a different podcast, the nature of which I tend not to do, you know, um, you know uh, uh, hypothesising that the universe is just a big fluid energy state, you know, to Brahman you come and to Brahman you shall return and all this sort of business and that's all you need to know, you know what I mean? But uh, this is a physics podcast, which would argue, which would argue that um, if we investigate the differences between all these energy states, if you like, within the universe, we might be able to make an iPhone. And you do like, and you know, I'm assuming you do like your iPhone or your Android, whatever you've got. Okay, so that's that's the only reason I'm, um, uh making a distinction between the different types of energy, you know. A lot of people who talk to me about the universe is energy man, um they don't they leave it at that, they don't go any further, and they sort of think you're never gonna invent anything at that rate. Yeah, you know? and they might say that's good, because then we'll save the environment. And at that point I say, you know what, I think you're right. But having said that, I'm making a physics podcast, so I will talk about all that stuff, and in fact I might even argue to that person. Listen, if we do investigate the different energy states and all that sort of stuff, you know, what what this energy actually is, rather than you just um, claiming you know what it is, you know, if we actually just investigate what all this energy is in the universe um, and the differences between the different types of energy, we might, you know, say, you know, come up with a solution to climate change. No, no, you don't need to do that. You just need to believe. You know? Look different podcast you know this is the podcast that wants to solve climate change sort of thing all right so the electron yeah is a different type of energy state as far as we can tell in as much as what how it behaves and all that sort of stuff you know so the electron is different what's different about it well it's got a couple of properties that a photon doesn't have as far as i know and that one is and one property is that it's able to bend space i believe in such a way that other uh, electrons, for example, can feel its presence. Now that ability to bend space, warp space, and make it such that it almost sucks other electrons towards it, um, we call gravity, you know, and um, it seems to be a property of electrons that. photons for example of light or microwaves and x-rays and all that sort of thing don't have okay so we've got two different energy states hey man you don't need to know all that you forgot just listen to me just just tap into the energy stop thinking about it just tap into it you know yeah all right next stop another podcast another day right now i am identifying the different types of energy you're missing the point man (laughs) right now um so electrons do have that and they have another property electrons and it's just in there i don't know why it's in there it just is Yeah. You know. um and another property of an electron is it has what we call an electronic charge you know, of minus one <laughs> is it an electron volt you know minus one and electronic charge of minus one electron hole. Okay, charge, charge, charge. Uh, I'll pause there for a second uh, because the boy is emerging from his headphones. Just a second. Uh, Look, I've I've just opened a web page here. I'm stopped in a service station en route to Queenscliff. Just had to make a running dash back to Melbourne from Queenscliff. And now I'm heading back to Queenscliff. In the middle of the night, it's, wow, not quite, it's 11pm. Okay, don't ask why. Um, okay, so, um, look, I've been talking about hydrogen and lithium, you know, and I started a whole story, you know. Uh, But let's just drop that now, because I've got this table in front of me, and it just makes it really obvious um, how many electrons are in each shell and all that sort of thing okay now in in an atom well i'm going to take oxygen you know which has eight electrons uh because oxygen illustrates um yeah a a nice stable um oxygen atom you know with with as many electrons as it should have you know it's not an it's not negatively charged or positively charged it's just neutral and um in ordinary circumstances an oxygen atom will have is that me? pump 28 I don't think that's me alright I'm in a service station you know um okay uh so oxygen um eight protons you know electrons. Okay, now, without going into it in any detail, um, two of the electrons will be at the lowest energy level, or it's best to think of it as one pair of electrons. I'll get into why another day. You know, just think of electrons, you know, they they often get married. You know, they're they're like, there's a married couple. So there's a pair of electrons at the lowest level, Um, and in an oxygen atom there are three pairs of electrons at the next energy level. Right? That's it, really. So that's eight electrons all up. Okay. Um, now in an helium atom, in a, in an helium atom, <laughs> do they still say that in grammar? An helium atom? In a helium atom, uh, it's only got two electrons, you know, just a normal helium atom. Um, and so it's only got, um, one pair of electrons, and they are, I think, nearly always, or at the lowest energy level, you know, maybe always, I can't remember, okay, so helium has two electrons around it, and they are both in the lowest energy level, or the first shell, shell number one, you know, sometimes called shell K, you know, but um, shell number one, okay, but in an oxygen atom, you've got Eight electrons and uh, two of those are at the lowest level and six of those are at the next energy level. Now they give them a letter the, the um, energy levels and the lowest energy level they refer to that as in en- um, energy level S which, um, which is short for the word sharp, you know. For some reason, I don't even know why, but they call them uh, that the sh- the sharp uh, energy level. <laughs> I don't know why. And then um, the next energy level, where there's six in an oxygen atom, six electrons or three pairs, you know, they call them p. You know, and the word for that, for some historical reason, is principle you know they're principal electrons, so in the first energy level, they're called sharp electrons, I suppose, you know, and um there's two of them, and at the next energy level, they are called p, you know for principle. In shell number one, you've got two electrons, and in shell number two, you've got eight electrons, including those two. You've got to remember that. Um, sometimes I, you know, I almost forget. You know, um, so you know, I like you know, a little part of me wants to say there are two in the lowest shell, and then six in the next shell up. You know, it's not like that. Don't stop, stop, stop. You know, there's two in the lowest sh- in shell number one. But shell number one is inside shell number two. And inside, in shell number two, there are eight electrons, including the two that are in shell number one. It's like those Russian dolls, okay? Um, So, uh, now, the two electrons at the lowest energy level are called S electrons. S energy level electrons, let's say, um, but in shell number two, you know, you've got eight electrons in there, you've got, well, those two at S level, yeah, you include those, and then you've got six at P level, you know, which is the next one up, um, so that's the way it works, and I think that's enough. Now, there is a reference in the Wikipedia page, which I uh, I hardly even remember, um, to subshells um, I'll get back to that there, there comes a point I think when you're talking about physics and sometimes suddenly you' found yourself in the realm of chemistry And I'm sure if you kept talking about chemistry, you'd accidentally find yourself in the realm of biology, because these things are crossover. Because physics sits below chemistry, and physics and chemistry sit below biology, and so on. You know, Um, but. I'm pretty sure I was talking about physics when I was talking about energy levels. Because when you're measuring energy, that's physics. Physics is all about forces and energy and all that sort of stuff, you know. Um, And in the act of talking about all the energy levels, of electrons in an atom, for example. Yeah, you know, at that point in time, when I was still talking about the energy levels, I'm pretty sure I was still in the realm of physics. Um, but in order to illustrate all of that, I started to bring in examples that would illustrate that. And you know, I used hydrogen, helium, lithium, and then oxygen. And I started to talk about uranium too. Um, and I was drifting into the realm of chemistry, and I had to think for a minute what's the difference between physics and chemistry? And I think physics is the measurement of the actual energy levels, and even talking about the actual energy levels of the electron, you know, um, sort of thinking about the electron itself, you know, and the proton itself and the neutron itself, without necessarily worrying too much about um, how that translates as properties of materials that present to us as humans, you know, what things present as metals to us, and what things present as, um, <clears throat> you know, all different sort of, non-metals, and all that sort of thing, you know, um, and what things present to us as a gas at room temperature, and what things present to us as a liquid at room temperature, and what things present to us as a gas at room temperature and um, so on, you know. Now, where it switches from physics to chemistry, I think, and I don't want to drift into chemistry, number one, because I'm not that good at it. Look, I'm not good that good at physics either. Um, I've actually been listening, you know, in between this chatting on this long drive to the first lecture and a half Of a Massachusetts Institute of Technology lecture series on chemistry. But I don't want to talk about chemistry. But I loved listening to it. Um, And I've interrupted that to have a chat to you again. Um, MIT, you know. I've always known that MIT existed. That is, MIT, uh, you know, um, is a very prestigious uh, institute of technology, and I was aware of that because I went to RMIT, and I did physics at RMIT. Um, I didn't really, I wasn't really a good student. Um, I got my physics degree, but that was mainly because I just learned how to pass the exams, and I was curious enough. I just wanted to nut it out, you know, like a big puzzle, you know, um, but I had no real interest in, um, getting a a career in physics and ended up in software. Um, so, but you know, all that aside, I've just listened to, um, you can find it yourself, uh, a lecture series and I think it's, and and, uh, I think it said it's 9310, um, Chemistry 9310. Solid State Chemistry nine three one zero, and I listened to all of that, and that was most certainly um, talking about the atom from the perspective of chemistry. So immediately, almost immediately, the um, lecturer who's oh wow, what a I can see why it's prestigious. You, know. you you should pay any amount of money you can pay to get into a course that has a lecturer like that. He's really brilliant in, in, um, you know, he's just very, very good, you know. Um, Actually, as he was speaking, he made me think about Frozen 2, the movie, which I saw recently. Um, In um, this chemistry lecture I was listening to, um, from MIT, the uh, lecturer uh, talked, uh, mentioned Democritus in ancient ancient Greece, you know, four hundred BC or thereabouts, who proposed that all things uh, may be made of uh, atoms, and then in between the atoms there might be vacuum, you know, nothingness. You know. Now, as it turns out, he was uh, pretty right but we weren't to discover that for a very, very long time. uh, I think all the way through to 1803. Not Timothy Dalton, but someone else Dalton. Um, Brought back the idea of the atom. And now we've gone game busters on that by now in the 21st century. and uh, We'll all pretty much accept that the world is made up of atoms, and depending on how the atoms are arranged, well, that determines uh, the properties of everything around us. You know. But in between, Democritus and uh, Timothy Dalton—excuse me, Timothy—just Dalton, had a red light there. Timothy Dalton's great-great-great-great um, grandfather, maybe. Um, in between those two guys Democritus in ancient Greece 400 BC and Dalton 1800 AD what would that make it that's uh, about uh, 2,200 years gap Um, Aristotle came along who was hugely influential and it seems like he might have parked the idea of the atom almost overturned it um in favour of a different theory called uh, Earth, Air, what was it in Frozen 2? Um, That everything is made up of either Earth, Fire, Water or Air or something like that, you know? Earth, Fire, Water, Air you know? Aristotle brought, he was a great scientist, don't get me wrong but it seems like he sent science backwards by dropping the idea of Democritus, you know, his predecessor in Greece um, who had come up with the idea of the atom Aristotle seems to have sent science backwards for uh, 2000 years odd by saying, no, let's drop that idea of the atom and um, imagine that everything in the world is earth fire air and water, I think they're the four, you know, Um, and um, that was a crap idea to go with that. It sent us backwards and sent us, you know, floundering about, I don't know if it's foundering or floundering, it's floundering. Floundering about like a fish on the pier out of water, trying to make sense of everything, by a, 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 according to a stupid system of imagining that everything can be explained via air, water, earth, and fire, you know, um, with Elsa somehow in the middle of all that, you know. Um, you know and the Greeks, um, well, the Greeks, you know, they come up with all the ideas, the good ones and the bad ones. And Aristotle came up with some brilliant ideas too, don't get me wrong, around philosophy and categorisation, you know, um, categorization, you know uh, the taxonomy, whatever. Um, anyway, the point is that it appears that Aristotle us backwards. By proposing this idea of earth, air, earth, water and fire, and uh, being able to explain everything, it can't, you could never make sense of the universe, you'd stay primitive in a sense, which might be a good idea, to stay primitive. Um, yeah, because we might not have all the climate change we have now, uh, which might be due to technology being too successful, you know, like um, you know, the ancient Greek idea of science, you know, that, um, Democritus, the atom, all that, which came made a comeback via Dalton, the Englishman. Um, yeah, so Aristotle might have set us back a little bit there, with air and all that. Um, earth, wind, fire, and water. I think is the fourth one. All right. Um, but um, Frozen Two sort of said um, the idea behind Frozen Two, uh, I believe, the movie for children, is that um, that once we went back uh, to the idea of the atom you know and then science and technology went gangbusters you know the Greeks started it with Democritus and all that sort of stuff the idea of the atom anyway when we're talking about chemistry at least Um, but when Dalton kick started all that again you know and said listen forget about Aristotle um, kicked us into a whole new world of science and technology And, you know, and then that was built... upon. Obviously, there was Newton and all the rest of them, you know. Einstein, E equals MC squared. Everything went wild. Um, Yeah, and and then... um, The world is now suffering because, under the weight of all that technology... Yeah, because we were almost too successful. And the idea of um, Frozen 2 is that we should go back to Earth, Wind, Fire and Air... Because that was actually... A more sensible idea all along almost like aristotle was wiser than democritus for getting it wrong you know it's almost like saying say deliberately get it wrong you know as far as i can tell um look it's greeks versus greeks you know because both those guys were greek you know democritus and aristotle so democritus came up with the idea of the atom and Aristotle, I presume, came up with earth, wind, fire, and air, or earth, air, fire, and, you know, earth, air, fire, and water, whatever it is, um, look, probably other cultures came up with some variation of earth, wind, and fire, and all that sort of stuff as well, um, because it's a pretty obvious one, it's a pretty obvious one, because you can see it all around, so it's not that clever, okay. But Aristotle, I think, tried to categorise it a lot more, you know, which is very Greek, you know, to try and turn it into a science. And it's very Aristotle, too, to try and categorise things. You know, um, so he took it further. But, um, now, this is an interesting thing, isn't it? What's Frozen 2 trying to say to us? It's, um, it's trying to say that being wrong, you know, Having a wrong idea, because it actually is a technically wrong idea, is being right. Is that what um, Frozen 2 is saying? Um, So, what's the logic, what's the logic? Um, You can... If you have a wrong idea of the way the world works, if one person has a wrong idea of the way the world works, you know, and and subscribes to some sort of earth, wind, and fire idea of how the earth works, you know, um, Frozen Two style, if one person has a wrong idea of the way the world works, you know, and says that you know everything can be explained via earth, wind, and fire, and maybe water, you know which is pretty stupid, really. Um, and then, but that gives the right result, i.e. no climate change destruction. Then it was the right idea all along, you know. So even though it's technically wrong, logically wrong, it's outcome correct. Okay. And then, um, so the, the sort of problematic question to ask. To pro- and then I think Frozen 2 is saying that the wrong idea was the right idea, even though it was stupid. So almost in a sense is if the whole world was um, intellectually disabled, let's say, you know, and had an absolute wickety-whack idea of the way the world works, Every human was intellectually disabled, you know. Maybe there's a meteor shower that rendered us all stupid. Um, and we all had a wrong idea with the way science works and suddenly didn't know how to do technology anymore. And the environment suddenly recovered. Then Frozen 2 would suggest that a world full of intellectually disabled people. Is smarter more right more correct than the world full of very smart people that we do have who um, have the right idea you know that um, we are all made up of atoms and it's just the different arrangements of atoms that give us all the properties in the universe not you know different sort of Combinations of earth, wind, fire, and water, or whatever it is that um, Frozen 2 was talking about. Okay. If, you know, what Frozen 2 is probably saying that all the smart people have produced a stupid result climate change, you know, destruction. Therefore, they were wrong. They're, they're, um, their their, um, their, system, you know, of science was wrong and it must be destroyed, you know, because that's what Frozen 2 did. Uh, there was one mob, the mob from Arendelle, they had science and technology, so they were able to build a dam in the movie. They built a dam in the movie and the dam ended up... Um, Forget about why and how and all that sort of stuff. There was treachery involved too. Don't worry about that. But one way or another, the dam was symbolic of nature gone wrong. Okay? So even though the dam was built on very sound scientific uh, principles, it had resulted in a bad thing happening... So I think, uh, whereas before, you know, if, if science had not been there at all and the dam had never been built, everything would have been fine. You know, if we had it stuck with the stupid people who couldn't invent a dam, I think that's the logic. Um, the world would have been all right, you know. Um, so they went and destroyed the dam, you know. Elsa and Anna, the two heroes of Frozen 2, decided that the dam must be destroyed to set the world arights again. Yeah. So to a certain extent I think Frozen 2 is saying, listen world, give yourself a lobotomy. You know, I think that's what Frozen 2 is saying. Because right is wrong and wrong is right. Okay? So if you get things right in a science sense, you're going to produce bad outcomes, you know, in terms of environmental damage and all that sort of stuff. So your correct analysis of the way the world works will give a wrong result. Therefore, we will almost deem it an incorrect analysis, even though it was correct. You know, Um, whereas the Beautiful, magical people uh, from the north in Frozen 2, who had none of this science, but actually believed in a wickety wack, stupid idea—Aristotle uh, idea—of um, earth, wind, fire, and water, or whatever it was. You know, I forget what the four were. Um, their stupid idea is presented in Frozen 2 as wisdom because it never actually produced anything you know they had this um, you know the other mob the magical mystery mystical magical mystical sort of mob um, had a theory of how the world works that actually never produced anything useful or destructive you know so to a certain extent, um, well, not to, a, to an exact extent, the uh, really beautiful indigenous kind of magical people, um, full of wisdom, develop. It's almost like it's suggesting that they developed a wrong idea about the way the world worked, almost deliberately so that they wouldn't accidentally ever invent anything because they knew in advance that if they ever invented anything it would lead to climate change you know so you know for example they never invented the wheel by the look of it these people uh from what i could tell from the cartoon um and that was an act of genius not to invent the wheel because that would have inevitably led to climate change eventually And oh my goodness, if only we were smart enough not to invent the wheel or technology or anything else, or to um, come up with the idea, to actually correctly, if only we had the genius and wisdom to um, see that something was an atom, you know, see that the world was made of atoms, but then to give ourselves a lobotomy and say, no, that's a bad idea. We do not want to see that. Give yourself a lobotomy, you know. We should have done that. We should have said, I do not believe what I'm seeing. Let's go back to earth, wind, and fire. Um, I think I'm trying to say that Frozen 2 is suggesting that if you measure something and get it right, Um, tear up your and you you write those measurements down on a piece of paper tear the piece of paper up and swallow the paper and um, pretend you didn't see what you did see because that would be very wise and would make you a greater scientist by not seeing what you are seeing because if you do actually see something and measure something and, um, and get it right, and that will end up uh, causing great technological advancement which will end up destroying the environment and that would be very stupid of you. I'm going around in circles, but I think what I'm trying to say is Frozen to is suggesting that smart people investigate the nature of the universe and get it wrong and stupid people investigate the nature of the universe and get it right. That'll do. I think that's what Frozen 2 is saying and and, uh, I think the message of Frozen 2 is that we should smash all our technology and go back to living the way we did when we were primitive people and do you know what? They may have a point. Yeah, it doesn't mean... Yeah. Maybe they're saying we should get, give ourselves a lobotomy for the sake of our own happiness and the sake of the environment we should render ourselves I don't mind saying it. More primitive. And I say that because um the idea that the universe is uh, constructed of earth, wind, fire, and water is wrong. Yeah, it is made up of atoms. Um, it is wrong. It wickedy wickety-whack. Yeah, but maybe Frozen 2's right. And I'm only saying that because I'm stupid. <laughs> okay, that'll do. Ah, I almost forgot what I was talking about before I uh, um, distracted myself with Frozen 2. Um, yes, I was talking about physics and I felt myself get very tired because uh, I, could, I um, was drifting I knew that I wanted to talk about physics, but I found myself drifting into chemistry and uh, trying to remember um, how the chemists uh, ended up categorising all the different atoms in the universe, principally Mendeleev, or however you say his name. Like, I wanted to talk about physics, which is actually really just the energy levels of electrons and all that sort of thing and the way, you know, what are protons and the behaviour, you know, the the forces involved inside the atom and all that sort of stuff, I wanted to talk about that stuff. But then I, in order to explain that, you know, and the different energy levels of the electrons in an atom atom and all that sort of stuff, I started to drift into um, how that all presents to us as humans or, put another way, how Mendeleev most famously um, categorised how all the different atoms present to us as properties in the universe, you know, and on a more macro level, um, how those atoms present to us is chemistry, you know, that's chemistry, you know, the end result, what it all looks like to us as humans, you know what salt looks like and acts like compared to what, um, um, you know, metal acts like and looks like to us, and how water presents to us, you know, as a solid or a liquid or a gas at different temperatures and all that sort of stuff, that's all chemistry, you know, how it presents to us, you know, um, but I did start, you know, this whole, um, Episode This whole mini series is more about what's happening down at a subatomic level. And you know what? I did, I started to get into the macro, I started to move back into the macro level. And I read this um, mini series is called the nano universe. And I started to drift into the macro universe again, you know. And I, um, so I want to go back into the nano universe, and I will. Um, so we'll get back to that and investigate the way. Um, electrons and protons and neutrons in, interact with each other, you know, the forces between them, you know, I want to get back to that you know, uh, the gravitational forces and the electrical forces between the protons and the electrons and all that sort of stuff I want to get back to all that subatomic stuff the quantum stuff, without drifting into now, hmm, now how many um, electrons has oxygen got again and how many electrons has carbon got and how many, you know, how many shells are there and subshells and all. Look, all that stuff's important and I might get back to it, but I think I'll, I'll leave that alone again and get myself back into, um, back deep into the atom and stop drifting back into the macro universe and wondering, you know, how all the different atoms are categorized and how many electrons are in each shell, and all that sort of stuff. Um, <clears throat> you know, I'll mention that sort of stuff, but the principal focus of this mini-series is to wonder how the universe acts at a subatomic level, without actually speaking too much about how that all presents to us in the universe, in terms of, you know, whether, you know, um, if, a hydrogen atom joins together with two hydrogen atoms and an oxygen atom, you know, all we'll jump into bed again and that presents to us as liquid at room temperature or ice in the Antarctic or uh, a gas, you know, if you if in the middle of a bushfire in Australia, we're in the middle of some really big bushfires at the moment in Australia, but this podcast is not about that okay that'll do so i'm gonna get back i'm gonna drift back into the deep into the atom and in the next sort of episode um go back to um the behavior of the electrons and the protons and the neutrons and space itself and time get back into all of that and black holes (laughs) and the big bang or the big expansion or whatever that thing was you know? um, I'll get back into all of that stuff, that freaky stuff. That is the uh, nano universe, where everything seems to act. Everything seems to act in a quantum way, discrete ways. You know, and that's an electron itself can seems like a wave and a particle at the same time. You know. Which makes it quantum somehow. Um, quantum, I think, just means like a, there's little. Uh, an electron seems like a little packet uh, of energy, really, you know. And if, if 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 you've got ten little packets, you can count them: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And quantum seems to have a a mean, you know. Quantum means number, such that you know how many, what number of them are there. You can count them, but then. Not only that, electrons can be at different energy levels, discrete energy levels. You know, forget how many electrons you got, but the one electron, one given electron can exist at certain discrete energy levels, but not in between, um, in an atom at least. And that's quantum too. You know, uh, the energy states that they are existing at. uh, Everything seems to be quantum at a nano universe. That's what I'm trying to get to the bottom of. You know, without necessarily coming into the macro universe and saying now, what are the, all the elements in the universe? You know, you know, like putting aside the quantum nature of protons and neutrons and electrons in an atom. You know, if we do happen to have six protons and six. Um, electrons and six neutrons how does that present to us we say oh that presents to us as carbon you know now i don't want to drift into that macro stuff you know of how it presents to us i want to dive deep down into that carbon atom instead and forget that it's carbon to a certain extent and just have a look at how things are buzzing about in there that's what this mini series is about what's happening inside the carbon atom Let's forget about the fact that it does present to us humans as carbon um, to a certain extent. And let's just look at what's happening deep inside the carbon atom. Because, you know, it's not all about us humans, is it? Mm. So, down into the atom we go once again next episode.